But praise God for that. Let me pray for us, and we're going to get in the Word today. Father God, thank you that you are the one who answers prayer. Lord, we're going to talk about some hard things this morning, uh, some challenging things, and I pray that you would allow us to hear them and not put up our defenses, but hear from your Word and let it sit with us, that we may respond to you, uh, Lord, uh, with love and obedience. And uh, Father, thank you for hard truth that we need to hear. We pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I loved going to the beach as a kid. It was always my favorite day. We'd go swim in the big ocean waves, get a slice of good Jersey pizza off the boardwalk. I like to go diving for shells. Awesome. Now, usually at some point in the afternoon, my big brother and I would try to build sandcastles. Now, sometimes we would compete, but he's older. He has way more artistic talent. So his would always be bigger and better, and usually he'd step on mine because all big brothers are 80% jerk. But say amen, right? That is the proper number. We did the research. But sometimes we'd work together, and we'd build something cool. My job was, was materials. I'd go get shells and sticks. I'd dig waterways. He would design it. He'd be the architect and shape it. And sometimes they'd come out super cool, and we'd work for hours on these sandcastles, and we'd look at our efforts and be like, wow, this is an awesome sandcastle. And then, and then the tide would rise, <laughs> See, the best sand was closer to the edge of the water, so the best castles were built closer, and then the tide would come in, and, and we try to protect our creation, right? We try to hang on to it. We, we did a lot of kneeboarding when I was a kid. We put our kneeboards up, try to protect them. I would try to fight the waves just on my own, you know, and uh, that didn't work that well. I mean, I can do it, but a lot of people can't, and um, at the end, it would always wash away our work. It always makes me think about, everyone watch The Simpsons in here? You ever watch The Simpsons? At the beginning of the episode, and all kinds of crazy things could happen, but by the end of the episode, it all goes back the same way. They never get any older, nothing ever really changes, it just comes back the way it was. See, many of us have chased bigger and better sandcastles our whole lives. And we think that when we get them, when we get the sandcastle of money, or we get the sandcastle of that particular girl or that particular guy, or we get that sandcastle of that position or job we've been chasing, then we'll be happy, we'll be fulfilled. But the truth is, with rare exception, the things we chase and sacrifice for and dream about are just so many sandcastles. And unfortunately for us, we get caught in this trap of chasing because we never quite get to the mountaintop. The truth is, no matter how uh, wealthy you get, you probably don't become fabulously wealthy. And if you did, you, didn't go, you don't go to church here. You probably don't become the most attractive person. Maybe you're like, I'm going to be like really cut up, and, and there's always going to be someone who's a little bit better off than you. We're, we're never going to become, no matter what position you get in your company or the may you're never going to become emperor of the world and so we never find out the truth about these things that we're chasing that they're just sandcastles too and so we chase and chase and this chase keeps us from seeing the real purpose of our lives so I want to invite you to join me for the next three weeks and listen to one of the very few people in history on top of money, of sex, and of power 
and has reported back. His words are found in the book of Ecclesiastes. And though it's written 3,000 years ago, its words ring with a timeless wisdom. But before we hear what Solomon had to say, let's take a minute and remember who Solomon is. He's the son of King David, and he became king over Israel after David's death. And maybe the best way to understand who King Solomon is, is to read what the scriptures say about him. This is 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse 3. It says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, though he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. While he was in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and he said, ask what you want from me. And Solomon answered, you've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and uprightness of heart toward you. And you've shown him great kindness in giving him a son to sit on his throne this day. Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, and I'm still a little child and do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge among so great a people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the lives of your enemies, but have asked for yourself wisdom so that you may have discernment in judging, I now do according to your words. I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has never been anyone like you in the past, and there shall never arise another like you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no kings will compare to you all of your days. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David did, then I will lengthen your days." And Solomon awoke and found it was a dream. Solomon loved the Lord, and he humbly asked for wisdom to be a good king. And God granted it to him like no other before or since. He was literally the wisest person who's ever lived. In addition, he received riches and honor beyond compare in his times. He expanded Israel's borders and he collected influ uh, an influence, he collected tribute from the surrounding nations. It is estimated that Solomon was worth, in today's money, in gold, $2 trillion. He was king over a vast empire. And as it expanded, he took on 700 wives and 300 concubines. He had a harem. Now, this was not under God's instruction, and he paid great consequence for them, but I'm sure his friends in school were super impressed. So when it came to money and sex and power, the three things that we chase the most, he had it all. He had the tops beyond what anyone had ever had. So what if you had everything you could ever How would it feel? What would you learn if you had every single desire you'd ever wanted? It was all in your hands. Solomon had it. 
He got everything he could ever want. All the wisdom, all the power, all the money, all the sex, all the position, all of it. And here's what he says about it. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. says, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Have a good Sunday. The word meaningless here, right? I mean, that's a hard word, right? He's got everything. Meaningless. The word meaningless here is the same word for vapor or breath. All of it, he says, all of it adds up to an a brief mist, the, the steam coming off your coffee for a second. Let's let him go on, verse 3. It says, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? I mean, that's a good question, right? What do we get from all of our hard work? How many of you have, would say that you have worked hard or working hard now or you have at some season in your life, you've worked super hard, right? Any kidney who raises his hand, you're done right? You don't know about hard work yet, son. You'll find out, all right? We've all worked hard, right? Solomon saw his people working, laboring out in the hot sun, and being a king is not an easy job. He was constantly dealing with people's problems, solving disputes. In his history, he had to consolidate power. He had to manage troops. He had to negotiate trades. He had to make economic policy hard work. Everyone here knows about work. We've all put in long days. When I think of this, I, I think of uh, uh, when I was in seminary school, I owned a little window washing company, and one winter, I had bid on and got this contract for six Wendy's restaurants in the city. And I had to wash their windows every Thursday. And so uh, they had to be done by 10 o'clock in the morning. And so I had to be in the city by 3.30 and then get all those windows washed by 10 o'clock every Thursday, no matter what the weather. Do you know what it's like washing windows in the winter in Chicago? It's terrible. <laughs> there was no inside break. There was no place. The places were all closed. I'm washing them while they're closed. I'm dipping my hands in this mix of uh, water and methanol so that water wouldn't freeze on the windows. And that's how our family lived, right? And my, my gloves were supposed to keep my hands warm. They just kept my hands on. They just kept my hands from breaking off, right? When I think about hard work, I think about those days. And whether you're washing windows or building buildings or designing software or teaching or working the fry line or bussing tables, whatever you've done, right, you know these things. It's hard work. It's sacrifice. What's it all worth? Here's what Solomon says. He says, generations come and generations go but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. Solomon has a moment of perspective here. He says, generations come and go, but the earth remains forever. 
How many lives have come and gone? Rich people, poor people, kings, rulers, artists, farmers, ordinary folks, extraordinary folks, but all of them come and go. And no matter how big or how important you are, you only have a limited amount of time. And no matter what you do, the earth keeps turning. And the sun keeps coming up. And the waves wash into the shore. And the wind blows. And nothing that we do changes that. It's just sandcastles that we build that get washed away. It always makes me think whenever you hear someone, usually on a sports team, they win some playoff game, and what do they yell? We made history! Did you? They'll never forget what we did here today. Sort of. Right? I mean, everything is history in some way, right? And also not. Earth keeps turning, sun keeps shining, wave keeps crashing. Whether or not you won the playoff game or the election or the Oscar, let's play a game. Ready? No phones, okay? No phones, just for people in the room. If you're online, you can play along if you're watching with us, okay? No phones. We just finished uh, NCAA March Madness men's basketball. Uh, Who won the title for March Madness basketball in 2016? Nope. You're correct, and you spend too much time online. Okay. (laughs) Nobody else knows it, right? Villanova won. I guarantee you that when they were done, we made history! 95% of this room didn't know it. One kid who should have been doing his homework is the one who knows it, right? (laughs) How about the uh, Oscar for Best Picture, right? 2016, who won the Oscar for Best Picture? No phones. What? No. Best picture 2016? Spotlight. Yep. There you go. You know how people worked hard on that movie? Sacrificed? And when they won, they held up their trophy and went, they'll never forget us. We did. Here's a fun one. Um, Who was president? No phones. Who was president after Abraham Lincoln? Nope, not John Adams, and you are fired. One guy, anybody else know it? Anybody else know it? Just one family, and honestly, you're extraordinary, right? Andrew Johnson was president after Lincoln. I asked my wife that in the car, and she didn't know it. If Liz doesn't know it, it's not worth knowing. You've wasted your time, right? (laughs) I guarantee you, right, battles have been fought over who rules a country. Lives surrendered. Millions and millions of dollars spent on elections, policies, arguments, right? What changed? Earth kept spinning. Waves kept crashing. Sun kept coming up. Verse 8, here's what Solomon says. He says, all things are wearisome. More than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear It's full of hearing. It says nothing is ever enough. Your eyes or your ears are never satisfied. And I think that's where he's going. Even the greatest sights and sounds and experiences eventually grow old. There's someone out there who's tired of skydiving, of tired of being famous, bored by Hawaii's beaches, unimpressed by a meal at a five-star restaurant. 
I remember uh, I went um, uh, whitewater rafting one time, one of the toughest places in the world, uh, the Upper Gauley River where they released the dams, 21 class fives, back to back to back to back. People die on that river. I was on there. I, mean, I couldn't think of anything else, just exhilarated. Right? And the guy who is steering the boat, he's... Right? I'm on the adventure of my life. Where's he? He's at work. How was your day today, honey? Fine. My cousin is an emergency room doctor in Philadelphia. People die in his emergency room every night. I said, what's that like? He goes, it's like work. It's like every night. Because you can't react to it. You've got another patient to see. You're just working. Because any crazy thing, any wild experience, he goes, eventually, it's wearisome. But what about the new stuff? What about the new things that happen, the, the big changes? What about that stuff? Here's what Solomon says, verse 9. He says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. Even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I mean, Solomon had seen it all. He had it all. He had a unique perspective. When you're the king, people bring you gifts. Oh, here's a new spice, Solomon. Here's a new food. Here's a new singer. Here's a new kind of entertainment. And after a while, you just go, oh, there it is. How many of you ever, like, just been clicking through and, and you're, you're just watching YouTube videos and you just end up watching like people getting their ears clean for three hours and you're like, what is wrong with me? Right? And you're like, these are all the same. You ever watch a sitcom and you realize you watched it before or it's the same exact plot of a different sitcom that you watched? You're like, this is the same show. Wait, the Flintstones and the Honeymooners, it's the same show, right? These are all the, it's, oh, wow, they, they broke up. I wonder if they'll get back together. It says, it's all been done before. You can dress it up, maneuver it around, and maybe it, all of us have grown bored of things that we used to find incredibly exciting, right? Psalm had seen it all. It says it's all the same thing. But surely... Maybe, maybe there's something wrong. Solomon had all this wisdom and insight. What about, what about intellectual pursuit? What about the big mysteries of the universe? Here's what he says, verse 12. He says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who's ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Solomon says, I've done the work. He had the resources and the God-given intellect and wisdom. 
He made pursuit of heady things. He dove deep to learn and to study. But the more he saw, the more he saw the brokenness, the suffering. The more he knew, the more he grieved. Solomon saw something that few of us ever see. He saw the real brokenness of our world. The emptiness of material things. The lack of anything truly new. And he grieved. And that, my friends, is the gift. That's the gift. That's the gift of having been to the mountaintop. The gift of the mountaintop is seeing down and knowing what's a waste. Real brokenness. And so we stop chasing after the wind. And so we stop trying to collect the next new old thing or see the next best thing. We don't have room for the truly real. There are things that matter, really matter. But when we're full of what doesn't matter, we don't have room for them. So ask yourself this question. Are you chasing after the wind? Are your best efforts going to things that don't matter? Last year, my son uh, John uh, got in his head he needed to make some money. Everyone else in our house was making money. He needed to make some money. I said, son, why don't you mow the lawn for money? Nah, that's work, Dad. What about, what about shoveling snow when it's not? Dad, come on. I'm part of the elite. I don't do that. I said, what can I do? And he came up with this idea. He goes, he had come with me to the, the scrapyard, and he goes, they buy aluminum cans. He goes, people just throw those away. I could collect aluminum cans and get rich in the aluminum can game, Dad. And so last summer, and some of you may have experienced this, John collected aluminum cans for several months. We go to a party, he'd be talking to you, and he'd be like, you done with that yet? I got a guy who's got a six-pack. I'm going to meet him on the side over here, right? And for months, he collected cans and collected cans, and he saw his wealth grow. Man, this is going to... He's stacking them up and crushing them, and we have this bag full of aluminum cans getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and you can see that just turning it, that he's going to buy a yacht when he's done. Man, it's coming up, collecting cans and collecting cans, and finally, we have so many cans, it's just getting annoying in our house. And I said, all right, son, let's turn in the cans, Right? And so we take them over and we turn in, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of aluminum cans crushed up. How much money did he get? $1.80. You have never seen a more dejected boy. It's like the day when they take McRib off the menu. He would just, just down. I remember him saying to me, we were driving the car, and I said, hey, this is a good lesson, right? And, uh, he, said, and he gets mad at me for that. And he goes, he goes I could have just found more money just looking in our couch. I could have just looked in our couch, right? How many of us are spending our lives collecting aluminum cans? If you have... I know I have. If you have, take some time to grieve. I know there's a big inertia to what we do. 
we get caught on a track and we think, if only I get this, if only I can accomplish that. And we're running it and running it and running it. And I can tell you what Solomon says, and I can read what Solomon says, and yet if we're on that track, we're going to go get that thing. It'll be different when I get it, we'll tell ourselves. I remember when uh, Liz and I were uh, after college, she went to Albania, and I was trying to save money for us to buy a house and go to school, and, and that's a, fine, a fine goal, right? But the truth was, I was just trying to impress Elizabeth. See, that's the wind that I chase. That's the sandcastle that I build. I want to impress people. I want people to be impressed with me. I want to do something. They go, man, wow, that Gary. I imagine them talking about me when I'm not there going, did you see what Gary did? Man, that guy, unbelievable. And so I wanted to impress her really bad. And I, I worked a ton and worked a ton, and I, and I piled up this money. And look, it had use to do things that were valuable, but I really wanted the look on her face to see how impressed she was that I had this much money. And I show it to Elizabeth. She comes home. It's like I, it was the first thing I wanted to show her when she came back from Albania. She's gone two years. I'm like, look what I did. Aren't you impressed? And thank God I am married to the woman who is not impressed by anything that doesn't matter. She goes, cool. <laughs> cool. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't cool. This is like, you're the greatest person in the history of the world. And I will always remember this. No, no. Cool. Because she was looking for something greater in me. She knew something I didn't know. She knew it didn't matter how much money we piled up, that that was not the determiner of our life. She wanted to see what happened in my character, how I had grown, what I had learned. Many of us spend our lives chasing the wind. But there is more. There is greater. And we have a gift that Solomon never had. We've received something that Solomon, Solomon maybe only had a hint of. We have seen God's Messiah. We have received Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit to direct our path. When Jesus talks about these same things, he doesn't end up in meaningless. Here's how Jesus says it. You'll notice the first thing he says is almost the same thing that Solomon has said. Here's what he says in Matthew 6, and he says this lots of places. And here's how he says it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. He says, Don't spend your life piling up treasure. In their day, money, a lot of times money was kept in your clothing. That was how you had money. But what could happen to clothes that you stored? Well, moths could come in and eat it up. It was temporary. What if you piled up your money in grain? I'm going to fill my houses with grain. That's always going to have value. Because what, what, about, what about when rats break in and eat it? It's only temporary. Well, what if I, I pile it up in, uh, in coins? I've got gold and silver locked away. He goes, what about when thieves break in and steal? Because anything you do that piles up wealth in this world, it's just temporary. Any person that you impressed is just going to die. Any position that you have is just going to go away. But he doesn't stop where Solomon stops. Verse 20. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Only what is eternal matters. Things that are temporary, no matter how grand or impressive they are to people, they're just temporary. The earth turns, the sun shines, the wind blows, sandcastles washed away. Only so many aluminum cans. But the eternal things, the eternal things are worth our everything. Our, the eternal things are worth our best efforts, our best sacrifices. But we can't get there unless we drop the non-eternal things. Like I said, there's a big inertia to chasing the things we've always been chasing. I doubt hearing me one morning talk about Solomon will do the trick. Most of us believe, well, when I get it, it'll be different. When I achieve it, it'll be different. And I want to invite you to grieve the things that you've chased that are not eternal. I know I'm trying to, to recognize those sunk costs that I may turn the best of my efforts, the best of my time, whatever I have left, to eternal things. It is our intention as a church that we would keep our focus on the things of eternity. Anything less than that would not be worth our time, no matter how impressive it seems to someone else, uh, no matter how exciting it may seem in the moment, no matter how popular the fad might be, that we would keep our eyes on eternal things, the only things that would last. That we would believe the wisest man and whoever lived that everything else is less than, everything else is meaningless. We're going to keep talking about this the next couple weeks. We're going to keep hearing from Solomon and letting him bring these hard truths to us. But I want to encourage you today to allow yourself to grieve some of the chasing of the wind that you've done. I tell you, it's hard. It's a hard moment. It's a mark of maturity when we're able to grieve those things, to not hang on to them desperately just because we've always done them. But when we do, we make room for the eternal. We make room for the, the great things of God that are worth our best. Let me pray that for us. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you do not let us just sit in the inertia of chasing things that don't matter. Lord, thank you that your love for us, your presence in our lives, as Hebrews talks about, Lord, that we should not... Um, that we can, uh, don't have to be uh, chasing after money, but we can be content with what we have because we're, you are present with us. Lord, give us the strength and courage to grieve those things that are not worth our efforts in our lives, to be bold in making big change when we need to, Lord. Father, help us be a church. Uh, that pursues things that are eternal and heavenly and not the things that are temporary and earthly. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and I thank you uh, for this congregation who so often seeks you things in the mighty and matchless name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Have a fantastic Sunday. Or be depressed. That was a hard message. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs>